<laughs> Jamie! Jamie! Davy! Davy! What was that? I don't know. Where have we been? We're, we're, we were nowhere. Nowhere at all. How is that even possible? Uh, do we just... Do we only exist when we're on this podcast? I think that might be true. <laughs> Wait, Davy. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. week later. Oh my god. So we does that mean it's... We disappeared for an entire week. We just stopped existing for a week. Does that mean it's time for time for Buttwood again? I guess it does. Jones? I don't remember that. <laughs> I think we might have some slight uh, trademark issues on that one. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Alright. I'm uh, I'm Davey Elder. And I'm Jamie Elder, coming and to you it... live from South Bend, Indiana. Except not really live, because it's a podcast. Definitely not live. I just wanted to say it. It sounded cool. It does sound cool. So this is Butwit Live. A uh, live <laughs> podcast where we cast wild speculation on the nature of the unknown. Live in the sense that we are alive when we're doing the podcast. For the next 35 minutes or so, we are alive. And then we'll, we'll still be And then apparently again. we disappear again. As it turns out, which uh, I guess we're okay with now. We, we seem pretty <laughs> chipper about it. Is it. So is it like a quantum mechanics thing where like you're only, you only exist when you're observed? And so even though nobody's observing us now... We're creating a record that will be observed, and so therefore we exist, but otherwise we don't exist. That is exactly what it is. We are we are very simple quantum particles, and our sole purpose is to create this podcast, so we're never observed any other way. I mean, it's a terrible interpretation of quantum mechanics, but... It's just about the worst I've ever but heard. But apparently it's true, since we just disappeared for a week. Yeah, I mean, you cannot, you cannot argue with basic evidence. That's the empirical method. Exactly, exactly. Right, so what so are we going to talk about today, Dave? I was about to ask you. Well, I mean, given some of the, the difficulties we faced over the last week with our non-existence, maybe we could talk a bit about, you know, what we actually are. That's that's a good point. Do you think we can solve consciousness, Jamie? Oh, definitely. No problem. Yeah, I Half think an hour max? Half an hour, maybe 30, 32 minutes. I think we're qualified to pull this off. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So, where to start? So, how about the many minds interpretation? Well, since we were talking about quantum mechanics, I guess that is a good place to start. It does make sense. And this is the first bullet point on this page. <clears throat> this page doesn't exist because not being we are by us. we are merely floating consciousness. Or maybe we could we could start with that—the idea of a uh, a detached consciousness. No, let's start with many minds. Many minds. Okay, let's go with that. So, basic idea, as far as I'm aware, is that. I think most people will be familiar with the idea that every time a decision is made, you know, the universe splits into two possibilities, a branching tree of different choices. But the Many Minds interpretation says that each time you do this, then therefore your consciousness must split down those same paths. So if I decide to cross the road or not cross the road and one of me gets hit by a bus, then one of my consciousness is goes down the living path and the other disappears forever which is kind of like 
the prestige for anyone who has seen that. Right. Yeah, right. So, so like in the prestige, how, uh, he like makes a copy of himself and one of them gets drowned spoilers, and <laughs> one of them survives and he's all like, when I go into to, to do like the magic trick every night, you know, I don't know which one I'm going to be. Oh, we just yeah, so, so my understanding is that according to the many minds interpretation, maybe people disagree about this, but some people think that that means that, you know, you can't just create new minds when you split, which means that there must be several minds in each body to begin. Yeah, I I think it's a it's kind it's of a weird. strange way to interpret it. I see it as more of like a um like a branching stream where you kind of fissure at the splitting point, but both both sides see a constant flow there in each direction. Right. So what's the difference between the many minds interpretation and the many worlds interpretation? Or um, is is the many minds just like part of it? Yeah, I think the many minds interpretation is an interpretation of the many worlds theory. I see. Yeah, no, I was thinking of something different. I think there's like a many minds interpretation that's even weirder where it's like, it's not a branching universe. It's just branching minds that perceive different parts of the wave function or something. That sounds confusing. But yeah, let's stick to the many minds as it relates to, as it's like an interpretation of worlds. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the easiest to understand intuitively i think it makes the most sense to me and the least kooky 71 <laughs> probably mm -hmm. so this is this is a question that's bothered me for a long time that and it's pretty well related so if you were to take a person so, so say you just froze the universe you just hit the pause button froze the universe every atom every quantum interaction just pauses for a moment you go in there you select davy elder hit control x Control V, make a perfect copy of me. Mm -hmm. So I still exist right now. I'm still right there where I was, exactly the same as before. And then you delete me. So I'm gone. My consciousness is gone. I am gone as a person. I've just disappeared. And then you take that copy of me, slot it right into my place so that it's absolutely identical in every way, and hit the play button on the universe. You now have me having experienced no change whatsoever, the entire universe identical in every way, and yet can I still possibly exist if you've just deleted me? Interesting. And that kind of poses a scary question that if that's essentially what's going on at every instant, do we ever exist? Like, is our consciousness ever constantly existing for more than an instant? Do we just perceive a single instant of time and then die again to be replaced by another instant of our consciousness? Right. So in philosophy, uh, uh, people talk about this in terms of temporal parts. So the idea is that usually we would might, uh, well, some people would associate a person with this sort of extended space-time worm. Like there's like a person at like lots of different places and times, and it's all sort of connected to each other. And so if you look at like the manifold all at once, there's like this worm going through time. That's you. So, you're and saying so the that. question is, if like if you are just a person that exists at a particular point, and at every moment, just like there's another person at a different point, then like do you really who exist, or is it just that there's some other future person who like has memories of like being with their just like false because that's not you? Yeah, which is the the fear of teleportation, which comes yeah. up occasionally in science fiction. Mm -hmm. If you dissolve someone into nothing and rebuild an exact clone of them 10 light years away how could that be the same person yeah lots of uh and yeah lots of examples of 
um, teleportation cases. So like a lot of people have the intuition that teleportation is still you when you describe it in certain ways and then not when you describe it ways. So imagine you're a person on the earth and you go into a teleportation machine. You're a bit nervous the first time, but then you just like press the button and arrive on Mars. Uh, and so you're just like, okay, this works. I still exist. That's fine. You do this several times over the course of many years, blah, 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 blah. Then one time you press the button um, and something goes wrong. So like uh, this like gun shoots, but like it backfires. So it doesn't actually kill you. And you see this happen. And then you look on the screen and you see that this there's another version of you on Mars. And so you realize that what's been happening is that versions of you have been being killed and new versions of you have been being created on Mars this whole time, just like yeah. in The Prestige. Just like in The Prestige. I pretty firmly believe in that, I think. I think if someone were to present me a teleportation device, I would have to be provided by like thousands of to convince me to go through it. Yeah, I would never go through it. Yeah. yeah. But then there's also like, like I think Stargate had a pretty clever way of getting around that, which is the idea that you're you're sort of broken down or dissolved, but you maintain a kind of continuity as you're zipping through the wormhole to appear at the other side. So your your existence is always like present there as it moves along. There's no point where you actually cease to exist and then begin existing again at another point. So you're physically destroyed, but like your consciousness still exists. Yeah, so I remember the way they described it. That's super weird. (laughs) Yeah. So they sort of break you down and encode you into Stargate magic data or whatever. And the idea is that, like, this ancient race has somehow discovered some kind of, like, data form that sustains your existence through through the stream. Which is a nice idea, but I still don't think I believe in it. Like, does every do all the does the whole cast of Stargate die every time they go through the Stargate? I don't know. I mean, I feel like in Star Trek, they definitely all die. Yes, absolutely. Like, there's no question in that case. But just dissolving them and rebuilding them. So the Stargate case is weird because you do have continuity of consciousness, but if you think that consciousness is somehow to do with your brain then it's really weird that you could have consciousness once your brain's torn apart yeah but you might think that the consciousness is just some kind of like information theoretic uh i don't know just like some kind of combination of functions or processes and as long as those processes continue consciousness and effect it's done so using some like weird technology so um ray kurtzweil talks about like uploading your consciousness to the to computers and stuff you know the singularity and maybe yeah, that's that's a theory that gives me a bit of comfort. The idea that consciousness is just a, a kind of manifestation, a perception of the processes going in, on inside your brain. So like a computer, even just like a computer I'm talking into right now, it has processes that it goes through and it has a system of taking information, calculating on it and outputting new information. So on some level, is the computer, does it have a kind of consciousness like my own? Obviously, far less emotional and complex, but it do, does it have a kind of like weird mathematical consciousness where it's thinking, number in, do this, number out, number in, do this, number out, as if it has its own very simple kind of soul that I've enslaved to do podcasts for me. Hmm. Does every systemized process have some level of consciousness, some side, some kind of 
per uh, perception of the processes going inside. So in philosophy, there's this position called panpsychism, I think. Um, so people think that like any matter has, it has a mind or a consciousness, and it's just a matter of different degrees or different kinds of minds. So any like so because minds are just sort of emergent from brains, which are a kind of matter associated with certain kinds of processes. There's sort of no principled uh, point at which you can say that this kind of matter is not the kind of thing of mind. So eventually, you just like end up thinking that everything minds. Right. There's no line. It's just a grading scale. Yeah. So that kind of presents consciousness as like a. I think that's sort of getting closer to the passive consciousness, which is one of the next things I was looking at talking about, which is the idea that your consciousness isn't the thing taking the information in, interpreting it, and outputting an action. Your consciousness is just you perceiving those processes that are going on outside of your control. So your brain, the natural, the chemical responses, the, the neurons are deciding what you do. When you see a when you see a ball, your brain's subconscious is moving your arm to catch it. And you're thinking, ooh, ball, catch it is actually you just seeing the things going on inside your brain as a as a path, passive observer and it's not really you that's control at all right so the idea is that um consciousness is like the experience of all of the brain processes that are going on and controlling our lives and so it's yeah it's just some kind of experience it's like a side effect of all of the actual processes that are being done in the subconscious and that's that kind of that gets interesting with the uh, like the brain in the jar. The idea of uh, if you had no stimulus coming in, no input, then what are you going to end up perceiving? Because all the information you're taking in is the same information you're putting out, and so you end up just perceiving your own perception in like an endless recursive loop, hmm. which is it sounds bad. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Because I've always wondered, like, if you were to be an actual perfectly immortal soul like cannot ever die possibly ever like even after your body's wasted away and disappeared and the heat death of the universe has come and gone 10 to the 80 years past and you're just this disembodied consciousness in empty space what would your reality become if you had nothing coming in ever and everything was just what your mind could conjure might get kind of boring yeah like how many like different thoughts out, can you actually have i feel like you just run out of thoughts because you'd be limited by your brain's computing power and it's not infinite eventually you just like realize you'd come up to like a gap and it's stuck and you just wouldn't be able to do any further and you yeah. just have to keep repeating what you've done already so there's a hundred billion neurons in the brain so the maximum number of different signals that can be sent possibly in the brain is i mean it's obviously an enormous number but it's not an infinite number there's only a certain number of thoughts a certain number of processes your brains can actually your brain can actually carry out so you'd run out you'd run out of reality to perceive reality to produce you'd eventually just sort of get into a loop yeah i don't think i would want that no no i think that would get pretty dull tired. yeah you, you probably end up just like you probably would just end up in a loop like, just eventually over time, you would just start repeating the exact same series of thoughts over and over. So along that train, care to explain what a Boltzmann brain is? Because this is something you've <laughs> talked about before, but I never 
got a I never took the time to get a full explanation of it. Right. So Boltzmann brains um, are these things that some physicists think could happen sort of a straightforward consequence of basically thermodynamics. So the simple story is that fluctuations in just the overall energy that's in the universe. Um, you know, usually, according to the second law of thermodynamics, uh, things get more disordered and higher entropy. Um, and so eventually, you know, everything just like turns into this spread out heat energy or whatever. But that's only like, that's only statistical. Like it's statistically likely that entropy always increases, but sometimes you would expect fluctuations to produce more ordered stuff, like uh, yeah, or pretty much anything. Um, if you wait long enough, you'd expect some kind of so. Say you've reached the heat death of the universe. Yeah. And I guess also assume that it's not like expanding sufficiently fast that you're just like never going to get high enough fluctuations energy spreading out too much or something so we've got matter pockets in an almost empty space yeah so say like the idea is that what one one possible fluctuation is that a brain just forms out of nothing with all of the sort of memories and current sort of experiences that you're currently having right now and the thing is that such a brain is a much less ordered thing it's 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 easier to get fluctuations like a brain than it is to get fluctuations of an entire human or of you know say an entire human and the room that they're in plus like a block radius around them or the entire universe. So thermodynamics leads us to think that it's more likely that Boltzmann brains named after Boltzmann could fluctuate into existence than the whole universe could. And you might think this isn't really like a problem because, well, we don't think about because of fluctuation kind. We think that the universe started a really long time ago in a really low entropy state, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, you know, gradually reached the higher entropy state that we're in now and will continue to do so until heat death. And we're just kind of like in this initial trajectory. Yeah. Um, but sort of the laws of thermodynamics would suggest that that's actually not very likely. So the more likely explanation of our current state is that we are indeed a fluctuation because, I mean, basically the idea is we don't really have any evidence of anything else. And if so you sort of think about, so statistical mechanics is time reversal invariant. Oh, sorry, rather, um, mechanics is time reversal invariant. So the laws of nature describing the universe should apply equally in both directions. Um, so... Just as we expect entropy to be incre increasing from here, we should also expect it to be increasing in the path, in the past rather, which means that we should expect that we are in fact in such a fluctuation. And since fluctuations of brains are more likely than fluctuations of entire universes, it's more likely that we're both from brains than that we're actually in a whole observable universe. Like Holy cow. So that was a really bad explanation and a really long one. So hopefully you can edit that and make me sound better. <laughs> I'll shorten it a bit. <laughs> so if, if I have this right, what you're saying is that if entropy increases going both forwards and backwards, then it's more of like a order is more of like vibrating fluctuations in entropy rather than or an order than like a, a constantly increasing line. And so if it's happening like over and over again, then you can look at it statistically. And statistically, it's a lot easier to produce a consciousness, which is just a very complex set of 
processes information and information out rather than like a physical universe of mechanical objects and planets and stars and stuff. Yeah. Think about it this way. Say you're trying to create the experience that you're, that you are having right now. Um, and you're sort of bound by the laws of mechanics or whatever. It's much easier to produce it by doing a really small fluctuation to produce a brain than it is to like do the really big fluctuation back to a really low entropy state that produces the big bang and then like develops as we expect. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Does it? Yeah, so if we're talking about like very small scale fluctuations versus collapsing all the matter in the known universe into a single point and then blowing it up in such a way that it creates humans on Earth around the sun. Yeah. Yeah. The basically the idea is that you might think that it's more it's pretty likely that the Big Bang really happened. But what's more likely is that you think the Big Bang. <laughs> you big, you, you, mistakenly, you mistakenly think that the Big Bang really happened. <laughs> At least according to the physical laws that you're using. You're a naive puff of barely above absolute zero gas in an empty universe trying to deal with your inexistence. Yep. Okay, so but what try. if? What if the sun is a brain? What? <laughs> so, so at the center of the sun is where all the nuclear reactions are going on, and it produces all these photons that bounce around between superheated plasma particles and take like a hundred thousand years, something like that, just to get to the surface. So they're bouncing around like crazy, and each time they bounce into one of these particles, they're interacting out some way, and therefore depositing some small amount of information. And so inside the sun, there's a whole network of photons bouncing around like crazy, bouncing information around. Is it possible that all of this has sort of congealed into a kind of consciousness and the sun is up there taking in tiny bits of light from Earth, that little blue dot in the sky, taking those photons in, bouncing that information around, processing, thinking. Like what if the sun is actually just a gigantic brain on some level, watching us passively, just sort of enjoying its little zoo of humans, seeing what they do on the little blue rock. It's kind of scary, because I feel like it might just get angry with us and blow up. Yeah, so at some point it's like, ooh, I don't like what they're doing right there very much. Let me take the next million years to uh, to work up a nice solar flare to burn them all away. Probably what I'd do if I were the sun. Probably, yeah. Or at least, like, EMP all the technology that's slowly suffocating us from space. <laughs> so yeah, that's a weird idea, Dave. And that is, that's a weird idea. <laughs> that one's out of the blue. That's a bit of wild speculation. But what if, though? But what if, though? And how about the human brain? So this is... <laughs> you've got some nice question marks around all these things I'm getting into now on the uh, on the document. So The document that doesn't exist. The document that doesn't exist because we're coming up with this all by ourselves, disembodied consciousnesses. Consciousness, consciousness, even though it's not a word. I like it. Consciousnesses? So the human brain in reality is just a bunch of atoms bouncing around. And the atoms are always going to do what physics tells them to do. They bounce into another one that bounces off, goes on and bounces off some other ones. So in the end, the entire human body is just spontaneous atomic chemical reactions. Yes. So on some level, like where does the where does free will come in when your really? entire the entire processes of your existence are going on spontaneously? Oh, you mean like deterministically? 
Yeah, it's free will and illusion. Uh, Jamie, I'm is free will I, and illusion, Jamie? Do you have the answer for this? You must have I, the answer for this. I'm actually a compatibilist. So, so what's that? I don't think there's any problem with determinism and free will. But I also don't think that free will is like, uh, you know, it's true that when you choose something, you couldn't have chosen otherwise. But to me, what, what it means to choose something is just, to, you know, to exhibit certain deterministic processes or right, so it's the same thing so you take you take the information in of bus driving down the road therefore the best option for me is to not walk in front of that bus and that was the only solution you would ever come to but that isn't incompatible with it being your own decision exactly and in fact in many ways determinism is it's much easier to make sense of free will on a determinist picture that isn't on, inde- on an indeterminate because if it's indeterminism then things are just random whereas with determinism you can at least talk about the kind of processes that um led you to make the decision so you know you've got this whole history of experiences that have shaped you in certain ways they've like made your brain pathways and such that they've got certain dispositions to react to stimuli in certain ways and then you find yourself in a situation there's like a combination of of all your past history that's exposed you to behave in certain ways plus some new stimuli and your brain like whirs and you know goes through these particular uh processes or whatever and then like sort of spits out a result yeah which but is kind of like, like well it's like okay maybe it's deterministic but those are exactly the kinds of things that we think should be going into decisions so like yeah if that's not free will then who cares about free will true and that kind of goes into kind of goes into an the next topic that you had a question mark on which is when we talk about these things we talk about them as if the human brain is like a calculator it takes information in there's calculations on that sees a ball going through the air says hmm, parabolic arc ball will land there d equals half at squared all that junk but like, what if it's not doing any actual calculation any calculative processing what if it's just a giant sponge of different memories in a kind of um, kind of like paint, just like blurred memories in this sponge. And so say, if I were to see a ball going through the air, that would trigger a kind of emotional response, which turns into a chemical cocktail. And then that chemical cocktail goes to my brain and says, all right, this is this chemical cocktail of emotions is the thing that I'm currently experiencing. And your brain goes, oh, I've got a sort of bit of memory sponge over here that's a bit like that but it's not quite right but there's another one just over here that's a bit like that but that's also not quite right how about i go right in the middle and so everything you perceive is just chemical response memorization and then responding with another memory that has a similar emotional response that's why like well maybe that's why if you when you watch tv when you watch a certain movie and you eat a certain kind of food those things will become related in your mind because you're going back to the emotional memory of when you're watching that TV and eating that food. So when you eat that food again, you think of the movie. When you watch that movie, you think of the food because it has the same emotional response inside. And everything we think, everything we do is not like a not a process. It's not a calculation. It's just I've experienced to, I've experienced something very similar to this before. I'll respond in the best way possible based on that memory. Interesting. Where do the memories come from then? From past experiences, I guess. So like when you're so that would imply that like when a baby's 
growing in the womb. It doesn't really have thoughts. It's just, it's a blank slate waiting to be programmed. That's kind of possible. I don't know. Yeah. So, Jamie, are you ready to go back into the black? I don't know, Dave. I don't remember. I feel like, what I feel like I don't we remember haven't... what the I don't remember what the black's like. I don't there, know. What there's they're... nothing to remember. There's nothing there, and I don't think we solved the situation. I think we're going to disappear again. But how do you know that there's nothing there? And if there's nothing there, we instantly reappear again next week for this podcast. Well, that sounds pretty good. But my worry is in a way. my worry is that uh, it's like just because we don't remember, it doesn't mean we don't experience anything while we're there. It could be terrible. You know, yeah. in Hamlet. Where he's like doing that famous soliloquy, it's like to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. And it's like, well, if death is just like nothingness, then there's nothing to fear. But what, what if? if there really are stuff? There is stuff to experience there. Oof. So that was our comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first funny thing we said so far. So pretty good, I think pretty good week pretty good week yeah <laughs> we got a bit into the dark there but Literally. maybe that's maybe that's just the new direction of our Literally. podcast deep philosophical discussion about really stupid shit yes <laughs> i think we need to look for some even stupider shit for next week just to yeah. really dial it up to 11 yeah we should have gotten into some like ai and stuff. that would have been yeah should we do robots next week yeah let's do it all right, I can, assign you, next I can assign you some reading. Excellent. Just I can like, always use more, <laughs> some more reading. You know, because I teach this. Right? Oh, yeah, true. Give me some homework. The professor is in. Oh. It's really weird getting emails from people calling me. Yeah. Monkey. You know, you might think that she is talking to a cat called Monkey, but that's actually a real monkey called Monkey. Wait, she's totally going to, like, melt over my water bottle. Monkey, monkey just likes to push stuff off of like shelves. She broke a glass the other day. There was like a water glass, and she was just like, "Push, classic, classic. monkey business." That was good. Hey, we're not still recording for the podcast, are we? You want to close the show for us, Jamie? Right. So today we've talked all about some crazy theories about what we really are. Really crazy. And now we're going to say goodbye and potentially disappear into dark nothing. Which we are sort of okay with, that turns out. Yeah, so... Oh, that's, hang on, did we solve it then? That's a solution, good. Very nice. Cool, well, I'll see you in a week, uh, according to our measure of time, like, just in a minute. Instantly. Yeah. I'll see you instantly, the moment I stop recording this. Bye, Dave. Bye, see ya, everyone, next week on Buttwit. I don't know what I'm